0: Space Junkies, and welcome to episode 135 of Star Wars Podcast, What a Piece of Junk. I'm your host, Scott Buttman, and joining me on a slightly sad note of this episode, as we discuss the passing of one Carl Weathers, it's my co-host of the podcast, Mr. Derek Marsh. Derek, how are you?
1: You shall refer to me as High Magistrate.
0: Yes. Hi, Magistrate Derek Marsh. I like it.
1: (laughs) No, um, I'm good. Uh, Obviously, still a little saddened by the news. Um, I mean, just it's still kind of less than 72 hours at this point as we're recording on Sunday um, with the news of Thursday. Um, But we really didn't get it till Friday, technically, when it when it hit the media um you know right. so the family had made the announcement the following day so um but yeah we'll get into that a little bit uh but i'm I'm doing good otherwise Uh glad to get a, a episode of um what a piece of junk with you guys um as we are going to be also talking about some upcoming videos and streaming of star wars here with bad batch season three on the loom at the end of the month here
0: that's right we're only about 17 days away from the premiere of yet another Clone Wars-influenced Star Wars animated show. So we can't discuss that without our very own Dave Cloney, the gooey, chewy, Mr. Miracle, man of a thousand nicknames, Nathan Miracle. Nathan, how are you?
2: I'm doing fairly well. Uh, It's also saddened to hear about the passing of Carl Weathers. Uh, I know you guys know him from way more stuff than I do. But uh, he was a major presence in The Mandalorian, and it will be sad to not see him anymore there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll just go ahead and get right into it uh, with our farewell to Grief Karga and overall tribute to Carl Weathers. Of course, myself, like many members of my generation, I knew him first and foremost as Apollo Creed from the Rocky series of films. Uh, just a landmark achievement of American cinema. Um, you know, the uh, the first Rocky uh was so so much Oscar uh worthy. Uh and uh seeing Carl Weathers portray like a mixture of almost every famous prize fighter that has ever been or had ever been up to that point, um, underestimating the every man that was Rocky Balboa, portrayed of course by Sylvester Stallone. Um, it was amazing eye opening uh it was just a really incredible performance and uh really showcased uh weather's ability to to breathe life into what could be a cardboard cut out action hero you know we as- associate him a lot with action films uh but you know he had a lot of gravitas to him as well he wasn't just some two dimensional caricature of you know, tough guy, soldier guy, athlete guy. Um, of course, he was an athlete in real life as well. Uh, played in the NFL and several college sports, um, and had uh, had a good amount of success there also. Um, and uh, and I think uh, I will often remember him as being a really funny guy because he had such a great sense of timing. Um, I asked my wife Mita for her thoughts about it, and she said, of course, she's very sad that he has passed. She thinks of him. These days, first and foremost, says Grief Karga, but also her her other favorite Carl Weathers moment was when he was in Happy Gilmore with Adam Sandler, and he was hilarious in that role. So just a, a wide range of talent from the guy, uh, Derek. What what are your thoughts about the passing of an American cinema legend?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, my first introduction to Carl Weathers was actually through Predator. Um, I mean, his um, four roles of Rocky were completed before um, really I was even watching television at the time because the <laughs> Rocky Four uh, came out uh, in 1985 and I was just two at the time. Yeah. And even though Predator came out only a couple years later, but then that's what I really remember um, his major role from. And then obviously Rocky to follow afterwards. Um, I was obviously a bit more sci-fi junkie, um, even in my early days. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, just a lot of iconic stuff. Um, I agree with you, right. The, the comedic acting, uh, had some really good timing. I mean, even with just the Mandalorian, right. There was some great, um, chime points that he had in that, where you could kind of see both things, right. Where he was, um, you know, taking the serious role and, or the action role and then doing the comedy Um, one-liners or or bits right especially with the the magic hand thingy right we all like to quote that one so (laughs) Um, so i think that'll probably be probably my number one uh quote from him other than he's part of it but the other one that my most iconic is um when arnold schwarzenegger and him first face off in predator and he says you son of a beep," and you know they both (laughs) do their grip like they're going to do a arm wrestling contest and both flexing with both of their actual arms that wasn't any stunt doubles yeah. or anything like that, that was because, as you pointed earlier, um, you know, he did, you know, truly play in the pro professional sports, um, specifically most known as a um, Raider. Um, obviously, you know, Kevin Reitzel is, is you know, knows him very well from his uh, fandom of uh, the, uh, well, now Las Vegas Raiders, but back then would have been the Oakland right. Raiders. So um, but anyways, yeah, just uh that and you know obviously yeah, his his kind of return from you know fame for a little bit. I mean he had done some stuff after Predator, but it was yeah, Chubbs, um, as uh in Happy Gilmore, and then and then yeah, and Toy Story Four, where he plays um, you know, Lieutenant uh uh Carl was it? I think it was, or what was his character? I think name? it was Lieutenant Carl,
0: yeah.
1: Uh yeah, Lieutenant Carl um but lieutenant carl was missing an arm so combat carl, carl that's
0: so it, yeah combat carl so
1: that's what it was but yes um but yeah i mean but still tons of stuff and then there's a lot of stuff um being fans that we are video games he did um video game voice acting as well as other cartoon voice acting besides the toy story gig so um just a, a plethora of stuff um you know quote, quote unquote 80 credits Um, as an actor um, that he did so you know and again just one of those iconic voices so when you heard him on cartoons and stuff like that um, you know you could definitely pick him out Um, and yeah just not side of the the acting too but just from what people said right from his directing on the Mandalorian to him just being um, on the the premieres and stuff like that just the and, and then all the conventions that he did you know most the big one the last time he did was Star Wars Celebration last year um and you know just a lot of people said he was just a truly you know fantastic being very humble very kind and generous um so you know again you know pour one out blue milk for um carl weathers you know we'll we'll miss him
0: yeah yeah a whole stack of calamari flan worth of wisdom and and love and peace from him uh nathan uh i know you mostly know him from star wars in the mandalorian um well what are your thoughts of the passing of this guy well, I guess my
2: first uh, exposure to him was apparently Happy Gilmore, but the, <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that movie that I forgot that he was in it. Um,
1: so, he plays uh, Captain Hook, right? Cause basically, you know, the alligator ate his hand. So <laughs> I, <that gator. laughs> you know, what I remember from
2: Happy Gilmore is that golf was involved. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that that's about it. So, um, Really, I know him as Grief Karga. Uh, That was pretty much the only way that I knew him. I didn't even realize that he was in Toy Story 4. Um, But but I could tell from his time in The Mandalorian how great of an actor he was. Uh, And one thing I really remember about him is when they were talking about the the behind-the-scenes stuff with The Mandalorian and the volume and the actress being able to see things in the background, in the volume, he talked about how that was great for him because he's used to being able to see things <laughs> because he'd been an actor for so long. He remembered back when everything was practical effect and everything was in the shop. And nowadays so much stuff is CGI. Um, so often actors are acting against green screens and he loved the fact that he got to act without a green screen you know being able to see you know this is the thing that i'm reacting to and i thought that was a a really interesting point because there were other actors there newer actors who were like oh well we thought it was kind of weird because we're so used to uh, acting with a green screen you know that's how we're used to doing things um so it was neat to see The kind of the the difference in the generations there. Um, Or if you're (laughs)
0: lucky, you'll have Andy Serkis there with a little black and white polka dot card on top of his head that shows you where to look for when they put the whatever Planet of the Apes or Smeagol, you know, CGI.
2: Yeah, uh, so since I do know him primarily from The Mandalorian, uh, I'd like to say that I hope they treat his character well uh, with however they write him out of the show. Uh, Frankly, I'm hoping that whatever building he's in gets destroyed by the imperial remnants and that there's a big funeral. And I really want the mithril to show up and, you know, say some nice words about (laughs) uh, his his former boss slash captor. Preferably something dealing with handrails. Maybe he's implemented handrails, on navarro
0: it's a new safety yeah, feature navarro is the navarro is the poster child for galactic osha now you know you're going to have much more workplace safety because of magistrate Carga.
1: and then then there's a plaque that says high magistrate Carga." right mm-hmm. would be right on the, the railing right so
2: yes yes
1: uh, and well,
3: we well, have to have the statue
0: cool. yes the statue what would also be cool is uh, if they signed some important treaty like in his office
1: you know after yes. he's gone or whatever
0: that would be cool too so
1: so that was gonna be my question then kind of leading into it i mean so then nathan are you against if they recast grief cargo i really don't want them to recast that okay Uh, they they would
2: struggle to find somebody who could capture that character the way carl weathers did Uh, this is not a scenario like um car dune like Balin. well yeah, it's not really a scenario like Gardoon either. But I was going to say with Balin, you know, we only got him for the one season. Uh, and he was, quite frankly, in the background for a lot of that season, in part because they yeah. knew he had passed away. Uh, and I think that one would be fairly easy to recast. We've been with Magistrate Carga for longer. We've gotten to know more about him. And he really is Carl Weathers. <laughs> you know, it, I dare it, say
0: that Weathers is, was more famous than... Uh... Uh, than uh, Baylen skulls, uh, actor who uh, Ray, uh, Ray Stevenson, Stevenson. Um, mm. Stevens. Yeah. I, I think I dare say that weathers is more well-known than Stevenson.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I, I, think it would just be a lot harder to do, and I don't want them to try to do it because I don't think it would be done well.
1: Or, or since there isn't yeah. a film, you don't want them to do deep screen deep fakes.
2: Well, I, I'm not really a huge fan of deep fakes in the first place. Okay. Regardless of, of whether it's a film or not, I'm not a big fan of the Luke Skywalker deepfakes that they did. No. No.
0: I would be okay with a um, replacement Karga for it a couple of minutes in the Mando movie, um, if they don't want to write him out. Of course, you know if they're gonna do the um, you know virtual Karga uh, in the movie, they won't be able to do all the things we just talked about with giving him a memorial and all that stuff in the in the next season of Mandalorian, unless them movie is set between seasons three and four which is entirely possible um but i actually kind of expect the movie to sort of be after all the seasons uh yeah i expect
2: the movie to be an end cap
0: yeah
1: i i yeah i mean obviously this is kind of we talked about last time right it just depends on which direction they're going because we know favreau had already written season four and then you know we're assuming this movie is then depending on what it takes place, right? Is it going to be released before or after? Because obviously that's really what's going to tell us, right? Is this just a, you know, a, a, an end point to get us to season four um, at the end to cultivate? Because it may be a test run of what then Filoni's doing, right? They want to see, you know, people having to basically be kind of quote unquote forced to watch at least season four if not all of season one through four to be able to really understand a movie. Right. Because it's no different than if you go in for any of the Marvel movies and you kind of just go in and watch infinity and more and end game. I mean, yeah, it's doable, but it's not going to make a whole lot of sense on a lot of things. Right. So, um, you know, so what are they going to do with that? But, you know, we've talked about it or is again, just kind of a big one-off adventure, right? Is it a three or four episode arc that they're just turning into a movie? Right. So, um, but I agree. I mean, I, it just depends because the, the bad part too, though, I mean, obviously, you know, it's something that's unfortunate and not non-preventable in this situation. Um, but it's like, we just got at the end of season three, Din and, and Grogu get in the house and settling on Navarro. Right. That's, you know, that was, I imagine, you know, grief cargo was going to have a reoccurring role of some sort in season four. Even if it's just to come in and just, you know, I need this or I need that, you know, type to like, you know, you know, right. or or maybe, you know, give me your underworld contacts or, you know, or, or he was basically, even though he wasn't part of the bounty hunters guild, he was going to have, you know, things for Din to, to go off in adventures and do right. The things that we were hoping that it was kind of get back into the roots of season one, but um, who knows at this point now, so.
0: Yeah, I think they could still uh, have a situation where um grief is the guy giving him his assignments they just you know come on a data pad or like nathan was saying the the rule shows up and is all hey um Med street cargo wants me to tell you this or, true you know a droid comes over and you know delivers. yeah messages. but i mean they but, could
1: do yeah. they do that with dune anyways right they just kind of off-screen yeah. stuff or whatever right or just say you know with the whole c3po you know princess leia you know that you know with ahsoka and all that stuff like obviously that there's ways right. to bypass it yes but that's what I'm saying. Like, I imagined if Carl Weathers was actually there, they wouldn't have done that. Right. So they can get around yeah. the character, of just the actual actor. So, no, nope, I'm with you guys. Yeah. It's tough to do, especially with. And I agree with you, Nathan. I don't want to see it. Um, you know, obviously we can get, you know, him recurring in novels and comics, um, you know, and to some degree, even potentially animation. Right, we could get an earlier Grief Karga series, right? You know, like we talked about, instead of giving us just always Jedi tales, give us Cantina tales, right? And we could get a few episodes of early Grief Karga, how he became part of the Bounty Hunter Guild, right? Yeah, and that that is
2: the one scenario in which I would be okay with recasting him. If we're recasting, oh, this is Grief Karga from 20, 30 years ago, uh, and he's a much younger man. So, of course, he looks a lot different, maybe acts a little bit different uh, as long as it's close enough that you could reasonably say, well, I could see this person turning into Carl Weathers or just animation.
1: Right. So yeah. Or or voice by somebody else. Right. So yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Well, I, I could see a a young grief cargo series where we see him as a magistrate before he became disgraced magistrate. Like, what is it that caused him to be disgraced? And of course, if we do that, young grief cargo would be played, obviously, by Michael B. Jordan.
1: Yes. <laughs> because yes. He's, in, he, he's, he's,
0: already, he's, he's already playing the,
1: the next version. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's already played. Now Creed he's playing the in, other in way. The films. So now, now he play young Carl. We- it's like I'm gonna play Carl Weathers' son, and then previous later I'll play young Carl Weathers. Perfect.
2: Yeah. Anyway, he, and he could pull that off. He's good enough to do yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. There we go. All right. Well, let's uh. Let's shift gears a little bit, uh, and talk about a much more, uh, interesting, uh, and perhaps much more lighthearted, uh, topic here, and, uh, that is the Star Wars Bad Batch Season 3, also known as Final Season, trailer, uh, has dropped, and so we're gonna give our basic reactions to it, so if for some reason y'all haven't watched the trailer yet and you're listening to this episode of the podcast, uh, pause us for a minute and then go watch it and come right back. All right, so, um... I'm going to kick it off here. Uh, We'll let Nathan go last because he has a lot more to say about things. Overall, guys, I loved the trailer. Uh, It got me very hype about seeing another set of adventures with the Bad Batch. and uh, I was sad to see that it was officially confirmed on screen that this is the final season. Now, we had pretty much had that confirmed in writing from various press releases and articles about it from Lucasfilm and Disney. Uh, but uh, but now it's been broadcast to the masses on an official trailer. This is the last season of The Bad Batch. Um, that's probably for the best Um I don't know how many stories they can tell with the boys this close to the rebellion. Uh, I mean, obviously they could come up with things, but uh, you feel like if they are going to be that big of a presence in the galaxy, wouldn't they have been, you know, hinted at or somehow interact with our heroes in the original trilogy as we get closer and closer to the momentous events of episodes four five and six of the Skywalker saga? Um but I'm I'm hoping that we get to see some kind of resolution for the questions about whether or not uh, Omega is going to be rescued, whether she gets killed, whether she gets turned into some weapon by the Empire. Boy, wouldn't that be a downer of an ending um, or, you know, and then also how do these old clones deal with things? Um, you know, we saw a clone veteran begging for change on the street corner in the Obi-Wan series. Um, so this is a theme that has begun running through the streaming series era, or what I like to call the the new OG uh, era, because Obi-Wan and the Bad Batch and Rebels, of course, are all set in and around the same time frame as the original trilogy. Uh, and so I think that the idea of war leaves behind all of these broken soldiers is also a big theme that disney and lucasfilm are exploring in the bad batch and of course in a few scenes in obi-wan uh and and also in other media uh so i like that story thread continuing to go through this as we see the bad batch talking about i would have thought the end of the war meant no more having losses of our brothers but apparently that's not the case uh for our our guys here in the bad batch um I'm excited to see how they deal with it, uh, and it was also cool to see Assage Ventress return. Um, so, having been made aware of the storyline in *Dark Disciple*, of course, I'm questioning: Wait, how is Asajj Ventress alive? And I'm proud to say that the people in charge at Lucasfilm took a moment to have uh, one of the writers come out and say, "Don't worry." All of the stuff in The Bad Batch Season 3 is going to be in keeping with the story that happened in Dark Disciple. I don't know how they're going to pull that off, but, you know, Star Wars does really interesting things sometimes, especially in the realm of animation, where you can sometimes get away with things that would be cost prohibitive in quote unquote live action. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And also, of course, what the heck is Asajj Ventress up to in this story? Why is she here and what is she doing? Uh, So that's probably one of my big question marks. And I'm hoping that we get to see something about her in one of the first three episodes, because there will be a three episode episode premiere on February 21st. All right. So there's all my thoughts about the trailer. Uh, Derek, what do you got?
1: So, yeah. So watching it, um, the first time when it was released, you know, just the, about a, a week and a week ago at this point, um, you know, obviously, you know, we had confirmed that the, uh, this was the final season and, you know, looking at it, it was like, okay, it, it looks like they're going to bring it all together uh they're going to you know kind of end the story of the bad batch and potentially the clones right and, and there were some cool action scenes there was a couple of funny moments some serious moments obviously the big reveal of Asage ventress right and all that stuff to your point then uh, right before we we started airing um you know we went through and rewatched it again and um i would say because i was able to one watch it on my laptop here where it's a little bit bigger screen than my phone um plus i also had the the subtitles on for that right for the youtube video so um but uh i got really excited because watching it again kind of refreshed um clean after watching it the first couple of times um when when, you know like i said previous in the week uh it, it got me excited because there's there's a tone in this season. Like this is this is going to be heavy. Um, there's going to be um, some really good, not just action scenes, but some heavy topics that we've talked about before. You know, relating to into even today's world, all the way you know to previous um, you know topics and specifically in American history. Um, in the past 70, 80 years, right? Um, all the way from World War II, um, all the way up to the Vietnam War and, and everything that happens there afterwards with the way, um, you know, again, what we talked about in season two, which is some of the episodes I liked the most when they were talking about how do they deal with these, these soldiers that are essentially left over, right? And, you know, there's a whole topic of, you know, well, they're just clones that are not really real people, right? Um, and so you get this whole heavy topic here. And then you get some really good stuff from Palpatine when he's, you know, going on there and, and, you know, they were trying to set him up and and in the end he just does his manipulation, right? Which obviously has to happen to some degree because, you know, we still got plenty more years of him in rule, right? Before we get even a new hope and then his death finally and, well, his first death, I should say, in, uh re, you know, Return of the Jedi. So, um, just overall um i'm i'm excited because watching it you can really see um there's gonna be some major deaths um in here i don't know if you guys caught it or not there's a like the first 25 seconds or so there's a scene which i'm pretty sure maybe i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that it's shown the high tower um mountaintop of pabu blown up and in smokes and in flames and that's that you know Secret place that, um, whatever Wanda Sykes character I can't remember takes them right, and it's kind of this refugee and kind of a you know peaceful place. So, obviously, um, you know, the Empire is probably tracking down, um, as Rex mentions, right? He, they basically want the bad batch dead, um, that's why they're going to be fighting. You obviously see Hunter serious and that they have to go save Omega, right? And we see some scenes of that going on, um, and then again, you continue to see um, the emperor's poise in the Senate, right. And manipulating people and, and, you know, saying this is going to be the greatest, um, you know, well, I can't remember the words, but the, the survivability of this, you know, uh, empire or whatever it is, um, in this moment or something like that. So just, you know, obviously
0: nothing, nothing is more important than the survival of this new empire.
1: Yes, so, yeah. um, and obviously Ian McDermott vo- voicing is is just phenomenal on this stuff. So, um, you know, but anyways, I, I'm super excited, um, for what we're getting, um, in this season. And again, you know, it's going to be I think it's what 15, 16 episodes. So, you know, I'm guessing obviously there's going to be a, a probably in these first three episodes since they're releasing it all at once. Hopefully, this is all the filler we get. Hopefully, this is the the. Let's just get people back into the, the mood of things. Kind of say they had to do a mission or two for, for with Wanda Sykes, because obviously, I'm guessing um, you could see them not even stopping to kill the troopers either. Right before the first two seasons, they were always hesitant because they always uh, anticipated being clone troopers. But this time they just shove them all off the cliff um, in the beginning opening action scene. So yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're at this point, they're either, you know, they don't care if it's a clone or, or a non-clone, you know, they, they know they're out to hurt them. So they got to fight back. Um, but yeah, just, I hope that, like I said, this first three episodes, is kind of gets us back in the mood. And then these last, you know, 10 to 12 episodes is just straight. Give us the good story. You know, I'd rather have good story and and just action when it needs to be. It doesn't need to be every episode. Give us good dialogue story and, and finish what's going to happen essentially with the Bad Batch by the end. Because I'm guessing that's what's going to happen, you know, as part of half the episode of the prologue um, for the, you know, end of this last episode. Imagining, unless they just kill everyone. So, which they could. You know, I mean, that's obviously on there. Anyways, sorry, take up, because I know Nathan's going to talk now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fee, Fee Genoa is the name of Wanda Sykes' character. Fee. P-H-E-E. So, yeah. Not to be confused with Sid, who was Rhea at the in the yeah. earlier seasons. All right, yeah. Nathan, lay it on us, man.
2: Uh, well, speaking of Sid, we didn't see Sid at all in this trailer. So I have no idea if we're going to address Sid at all, or if that character has just gone by the wayside. Uh, so it's Interesting uh, potential there of, you know, negative potential. We might not see something. Uh, but I want to pick up on something Derek mentioned about the Bad Batch um, just murdering Imperials. <laughs> um, not caring. You know, that, that's something that we had talked about and others had talked about how uh, the Bad Batch had been so cautious and always used the stun setting before, even when people were using the kill setting against them. And I think it comes down to they know these aren't clones. Um, whenever they use their sun settings, those were situations where they either knew that they were going against clones or there was at least a strong possibility that you know these are our brothers. These stormtroopers are not their brothers. And I think yeah. that we're going to see that whole scenario play out throughout the season. Uh, I think that the big climax of the season is going to be that the Empire and Palpatine himself, particularly, wants to get rid of the clones, basically getting rid of the evidence. Uh, And that's going to be the big climactic battle at the end is all the remaining clones versus the Imperials. And I think we're going to get sort of a uh, Davy Crockett ending where maybe we don't see our heroes die, but they're facing 300, right? The three, yeah, the end, yeah so. we're, we're facing insurmountable odds, and you know, it's obvious what's gonna happen, and we just kind of fade to black. Um, I could see that being kind of the finale of this. That said, I love the fact that we know that this is the final season, I love the fact that they knew that this was the final season going in. Because the last thing I want from a show like this is some sort of cliffhanger ending that just never gets resolved. Um, I want a complete story and i think that's what we're going to get but asaj so you mentioned uh dark disciple i went back and double checked i don't understand how they could have that storyline occur at this point in time in the timeline dooku is way too important to the storyline i'm not going to go into details for people who haven't read it um but he's important critically important and he's very very dead at this point Um, so i don't see how they could just pull that storyline in Uh, i do see a possibility of oh she didn't quite die or she was raised by night sister magic the end of uh, dark disciple does actually kind of leave that open there's some magic going on uh, where they lay her to rest and it's not clear what exactly is happening so Maybe they're having her resurrected, but I kind of want to see Quinlan Voss too. Uh, he's oh, yeah, a, that would be great. Yeah, he's a big part of that story and they made sure to give him a name drop in Kenobi. We know that he survived after the purge and we know that he went through the way. Uh, so it might be interesting to see how that happened. Might even be interesting to see him leave that mark that Kenobi finds later. Um, oh yeah, but we didn't see him in the the trailer. But that doesn't mean that he he's not going to be there. We we could still see him. Uh,
0: well, you know, I Vitress just... is a much more recognizable character. Um, she she's been in a lot more on-screen stuff. Uh, I think if they showed Quinlan Voss, I mean, people like us would be like, "Oh my gosh, it's Quinlan Voss, You know, but um, um, the thing and the, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing, and his lightsaber is the anyway. Uh, and but uh, most people would be like, "Who's that guy?" You yeah, uh, know, so. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's true, and quite frankly, most people uh, in the circles that we run in, most people are going, "Wait, isn't Asajj dead?" But the vast majority of people out there are going, "Oh, hey, it's that girl from Clone Wars," and have no idea
1: that she has died canonically. <laughs> right. Now, right. now we do realize, though, this is how they're going to bring a young Morgan Elsbeth into play, right? Uh, that is a possibility. Yes.
0: That's great. I'm in for that.
1: So that's, yeah, I, that's they, what I'm assuming they would do to Reza, right? Then this is how she builds her connection with, you know, be. the sisters um, in, in, you know, the um, space world, a uh, space whales world that we, you know, and then eventually then, you know, then we know then her, con- ton, I'm sorry, contacts with Thrawn on his side and blah, blah, blah. So. <laughs> Which,
2: you know, that raises. Wouldn't a happen direction. yet, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't
2: know what year relative to the battle of Yavin, because that's how we calculate all years in star Wars. I don't know what year this is. Um,
1: Well, if you look at it, so Obi-Wan series is about 10 years after revenge because Luke and Leia are about 10 years old in the Obi-Wan series. Um, And then, so you would imagine that there's a clone there to your point, right. That he runs into that's still kind of homeless, but again, there's no major clones running around anywhere at that point. Right. So you would have to imagine that this is probably, and it's still relative to to, to after order 66 and all that happens. Right. So I imagine it's probably each season's been a year or so. So maybe season one is a year after the the first season, our first, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and then season two. So maybe we're talking three to four years after um, Revenge of the Sith is what I would guess. This is this is the point of it.
2: Yeah, um, that the reason I ask is because I'm I've recently recently been listening to Thrawn on ebook, um, because I got a new car, yay, and it can do ebooks. So I've been listening to Thrawn on the way. And you to have and to drive Park.
1: into work, so it's perfect timing.
2: Exactly, uh, and I was trying to figure out when that takes place relative to the Battle of Yavin, uh, because it's it's actually shortly after the Empire is established. Uh, so Thrawn should be kicking around. He might not be an admiral yet, but he should be around during this time frame. So it's not impossible that we see that connection made in this season.
1: Oh, we see a young Thrawn as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So.
2: Although I understand not putting Quinlan Voss in the trailer. Leaving Thrawn as a surprise would, would be a huge deal. Yeah,
1: I mean, connect, but it's Felony, right? It's got to all connect at some point. That, that's so. true. They, they did leave Luke as a
2: surprise in Mando season two. So, so. it wouldn't it, be unprecedented. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I mean, obviously. But at the same time though, you know, it, it depends, right, to your point, right? Like how do they do it? Like if they have res Asage, would she then go find Quinlan Voss, right? Um, or is this a clone of Asage? So because that might be the whole point of what they're doing, right? Um on Tamburus, right? So or not Tamburus. Um uh, Tantis, Mount Tantus. Tantus, thank you. Mount yeah. Tantus, yeah. So um, so you know, that's what they could be doing, right? And that's what Palp wants the whole time, right? Recreating clones for force users, right? So, yeah, so well, that's the, his goal to
0: give, not just to give himself a new body, but to have awesome soldiers,
2: you know. Mm-hmm. Th- there is one more possibility that they just take the idea of Dark Disciple and say, okay, yeah, that didn't happen at that time, and take that story and put it here. And have that as an arc in this season. Um, you just have to replace Dooku with okay. We're trying to assassinate probably Vader, uh, but I have no doubt that Vader could kill Asajj Ventress um, pretty easily. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> so that I mean, but that would work. I mean that that would be the whole point. Would be Asajj would give herself up to save Voss. I said I wasn't going to spoil details, but I totally just did. Uh,
3: so, sorry. <laughs> well, if it's in theory. Planning, it's theory. theory.
2: It, uh, sorry if you were planning to read this several year old book. Um, well, it's it's ten years it's old well. at
0: this but, point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Several. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: the point is, they could take the basic structure of that story and move it to this time frame they would just have to change a lot of the details to do it.
1: Just like the Ahsoka episode that we got in Jedi mm-hmm. Tales season one. I mean, they took the book and they took a majority of it. So yeah, I mean, there's very well, heck, this could be the first three episodes of the season. That's why it's it just all one big arc. <laughs> uh, it, it could also be <laughs> a flashback
2: um, because it looks like Asajj is facing off against the Bad Batch but we don't actually see them on the same screen at the same
0: time. Could be. Yeah, Um, and we we do know that the Bad Batch knows where Count Dooku's castle is because, you know, that was like earlier in the series. They were over there at Dooku's castle as the Imperials were there to like, you know, gather up Dooku's fortune or whatever. Um, And I think uh, they could go back. Yeah, they, they could go back and find some hologram and, you know, they're playing the record of what Asajj did and that's why we see her.
2: Yeah, that, that is very much possible. And, and then you know it could be, you know, if it's a flashback, it could be practically anything. Wouldn't necessarily have to relate to Dark Disciple at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whatever happens on the Bad Batch Season 3, you can be sure that we're going to talk about it here on What a Piece of Junk. Well,
1: it, and oh, to yes. conclude, Go though, ahead. too, there's one more thing, though, about this. It ends on the last episode, May 1st. So we got that three days before May 4th. So that's the thing to recognize, yep. too. So,
0: yes, Star Wars Day for this year. That's so there could time. be
1: there could be a cliffhanger to upset Nathan here. <laughs> That ties into something, and then May fourth we get an okay. announcement. Filoni has another cartoon series.
0: Adventures <laughs> <laughs> of a Sawz Ventress, or,
1: or I was going to say, I, or Rex and Wrecker. Like, how do they end up being the Odd Couple? Right? I'm but, okay
2: with that if they know going in that that's the deal. Uh, yeah. What What I don't want is oops, this turned out to be the final season and we weren't prepared for it to be the final season. So we have a storyline that we're just leaving unfinished. If it's, yeah. okay, this we don't resolve this, but it's because we have a plan to release it three days from now, that's not a problem.
1: <laughs> that, three days that, from now. Otherwise, <laughs> Filoni will have let us down and you'll have to, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to to eat my hat. Go sit in a corner, Nathan.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, um, um. Don't worry. We will graciously allow you to deep fry the hat first. Oh, good, good. That would get at least somewhat chewable. (laughs)
2: Everything's (laughs) edible if you deep fry it exactly
0: well whatever nathan has to deep fry i mean no sorry whatever (laughs) happens on the bad batch season three you can be sure that we're going to discuss it here on what a piece of junk but we're not the only game in town here on the fandom podcast network there's a whole bunch of other shows out there for various other interests and
3: fandoms and here to tell us about it is our friend kevin thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying this podcast here are the other great shows on the fandom podcast network Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock hair metal podcast we cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s type 40 a doctor who podcast discussing the time-traveling doctor who universe lethal mullet an action film podcast covering the 80s 90s and beyond also check out the lethal mullet network for more great podcasts what a piece of junk our star wars podcast making treks a star trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier the fandom show our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom, the True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe, Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show, and we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network Audio Master Feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.
0: All right, great. Thank you so much, Kevin. I hope you guys can check out those other podcasts and shows here on the FPN. Okay, so we're going to take a little bit of a time travel, if you will, and talk a little Star Wars Legends here on this segment of the podcast. Uh, And it's all due to an article that uh, Derek found earlier this week, or last week, I should say, uh, that was titled, 10 ways that Star Wars Legends made the year after Return of the Jedi so important. And the subhead here from David Miller over at Screen Rant, the year after Return of the Jedi is made incredibly important to the Star Wars Legends continuity, thanks to a multitude of exciting stories. So now, to note... This is stories within the Star Wars universe set one year after Palpatine's death and the destruction of the second Death Star and Vader's death. It is not about stuff that happened in 1984. Just want to make sure I clarify that.
3: But we are a year after
1: the
0: 40th anniversary, though, so we're
1: technically on par.
0: But the
2: year 1984 was hugely important for me personally, (laughs) as it is the year I was born.
1: Yes. Exactly. And Nathan just celebrated a birthday not that long ago.
2: That is true. That is true. I uh hit the big four oh. I'm not sure Yay, too, welcome too much Nathan to the forty club. Jedi there.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. So yes, uh, subheads sub here, bullet points. The Star Wars Legends timeline, which was the official canon before its rebranding, set many important stories in the year directly following the events of Episode Six, Return of the Jedi. The Rebel Alliance, the Galactic Empire, briefly joined forces in the novel The Truce at Bakura to combat an invading force of the Sirup species, and the Galactic Empire fractures into warlord factions. The Rebel Alliance becomes the Alliance of Free Planets, and the Sith Order is revived by Palpatine's successor, Lumea. Who defeats Luke Skywalker? Dun, dun, dun. So we're going to go through the 10 points here, and I'm going to let Derek sort of uh, drive the ship here, because this was his idea, and a capital idea it was. And Nathan is doing the thing where he didn't bother to prep for the show, so he (laughs) hasn't read this list, and more than likely hasn't read any of the stories. Well, I was just going to ask, is
1: is Nathan even familiar with any of this? (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. So this Um, will be a
0: lot of fun. To have Nathan go, what? That's bonkers. Why would
1: anyone?
2: Yeah. So there are ten items on the list. What are we going to put the over under on? Nathan has heard of or read them. Two
0: point five. Two point five. So t- I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, go broader. Four things on this list Nathan is aware of. I'm not going to say has read them, but is aware of them because some of them have long-lasting, you know, repercussions even after the rebrand. So, 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 so Scott's taking the over. Scott, you're taking taking the over. over. Derek, you're taking taking the the under. under. I'll take the under. Okay, two
1: and that. So, all right. So the first thing, which is what I'm assuming Nathan has heard of it because we have talked about it before, specifically with Kevin Reitzel because he's him and I love this book. Um, this is one of the first books that I actually read um, as a hardcover paperback, you know, and I have to find it still. I believe I have it somewhere, but I could have donated all my Star Wars books many years ago and I can't remember. Um, but I have to figure out where I put all this stuff. Um, but the Rebel Alliance and Galactic Empire briefly joined forces in the Set Bakura novel. So first of all, have you heard of the Set Bakura novel? I have heard of it. I have
2: read it because that's one. (laughs) uh, Back in the 90s, uh, when I read the Thrawn trilogy, I checked them out of the local library, the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library System. Uh, And uh, they had the three Thrawn books, obviously. Um, They also had a couple other books, and this was one of them. Um, The other one. Uh, had Night Sisters in it. And I remember uh, Han getting his leg shattered by one of the Night Sisters. Um, I, I don't remember, remember that one. I can't so. remember the name of that book. <laughs> Scott uh,
1: should know this, right? Come on, Scott. You're our encyclopedia of library pull-out. I don't know.
0: <laughs> the Courtship
2: I'm of on Princess on. Leia. That's oh, yes. that's go. what it was. Okay. Uh, well, a lot
0: of people get Truce of Bakura and Courtship mixed up because they have some mm, similar story beats.
2: Yes. But they they had both of them uh, at the library, and I did read both of them. I didn't enjoy this one as much, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I did read it.
1: Yeah, this one's this one's a long time ago that I, I haven't. You know, like I said, these I really wish I could take the time to revisit a lot of this. I've I've you know been picking up. Um, audible books as well. Um, I actually just re-picked up um, my subscription back in December this year because I said, hey, even though I'm not flying as much, I'm driving more in my travels. I'm like, that's still fine because same thing, Nathan, right? You can pick it up and Bluetooth your car and all that stuff. I'm like, I need to get back into these. Um, there's a lot of great audible books um, of legend stuff that I still enjoy and would like to re- you know, re-listen to these more than just uh, listening. But this one, obviously, you know, kind of, you know even though it was temporary um the idea that uh the the empire and the the you know former rebel alliance just as the rebel alliance I guess the alliance now at this point um you know join forces to basically fight the the overarching enemy right the the enemy of my enemy is my friend type deal um which yeah. was the uh, I always pronounce this wrong right was the invading forces of the seedd rook a species from the unknown regions I think it's Cy Ruck. Cy Ruck. Okay, see, I'm not an English expert. So thank you, Scott. Cy Ruck. See, no, but th- I mean, this is an interesting point of uh,
2: your printed media. Uh, they don't necessarily tell you how it's pronounced. This is part of the reason like why. When, um, uh, go ahead. J- Joris, how do you pronounce his last name? Cyboth? Me,
0: I always did Saboth.
1: <laughs> I like, always did cr- but, Kaboth. Yeah. Could be or Prince Zizor, or you, Prince you mean Prince Zizor? Shizor. I know, yep,
3: <laughs> or Axor, Prince, Prince, <laughs>
0: Prince Xylophone.
1: Yes, so,
0: <laughs> um, I, I so one of my major memories of the Truce of Bakura was because I read it the same year that I read Heir to the Empire, um, because I want to say they. Uh no, I, I guess I read it the year after Air to the Empire. Yeah. Because uh Air to the Empire was ninety-two, I believe, and this is ninety-three. Um and uh Yeah, I read in, them a Air couple the years Empire, after
2: they came out. So I read them at the same time.
0: Indeed. Um interesting side note, which I have said on the show before, but it was probably a hundred episodes of the podcast ago. Um I bought the copy that I read initially of Air to the Empire in the bookstore in the ground floor shopping center of the World Trade Center in New York City while on a school trip to see New York City. And ironically, I bought it, and then like three weeks later, the first time the World Trade Center got bombed by a truck bomb occurred, and the bookstore from which I had purchased *Air to the Empire was destroyed at the, base, at the ground floor of the World Trade Center. Watching on television, I was like, oh my gosh, I was just there like a couple weeks ago. It was terrifying. Of course, now none of that remains. But uh, an interesting uh, commentary about, you know, wars not make one great and violence in the system. But uh, moving beyond that, um, I got this book uh, later at that next year, 1993, um, and the species of enemies here that the Empire and the Rebellion work against, Sir Rook, got me confused because for a minute I thought they were Nogri, and that's why Rook had the name Rook in heir to the Empire as uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn's bodyguard because they're spelled not exactly the same, but really close but, you know, upon further reading of the Truths of Bakura, if I remember correctly these aliens very much reminded me of just like almost prototypical monsters. Um, There was a series of Star Trek novels around the same time frame called Star Trek Invasion, which was about invaders from a different dimension, not the mirror universe, but something like that. Uh, And their passage of time happened differently in their dimension. So the four books in the Star Trek Invasion series spread across original series timeline next gen timeline deep space timeline and voyager timeline so all of our big heroes at that moment in in the 90s um were able to fight the same enemies because they came across the dimensional barrier at various you know different centuries or decades later uh and so think i remember correctly that these things were very similar to those monster race in uh in star trek invasion i'm about to go look that up while uh while you guys pontificate well that, that would be quite a voyager few
1: years and before. after this book came out then because if you said it was for deep space nine and for voyager that's mid yeah, to late voyager 90s
0: around in 93 yeah yeah um, so, I'm gonna go um look up the uh, star trek invasion series but uh but I, I was going to actually say that, that
1: the the the, the, the cy rook would have been very formidable for what was coming out eventually in deep space nine as the dominion right like you said coming yes. from a, a multiple you know different quadrant of that, or whether it was, you know, just because it was still just an unknown region, right? The outer rim, um, even farther than I should, guess should say, the outer rim. Um, and again, this is Star why Trek we don't invasion
0: need happen. Star Trek invasion happened in nineteen ninety six, so that's oh. what uh, that it must have been reminding me of Bakura.
1: Gotcha. But yeah, no, yeah. just uh, but yeah, like I said, it's just when an unknown force comes out, right? Like. In, in essence, we could still get that to some degree with the Ahsoka series, right? You could get that mm-hmm. to some degree with, with them doing the traveling that they did They after, I should really say after Thrawn, right? But you could have it where, you know, this species from that time uh, or that space timeline area, they like, you know, traveling back and forth. They've like left a rip hole or something like that within this, you know other species could come travel, right? And try to take over the current galaxy, right? So again, this is after Thrawn and and the series wraps up there, but they could leave remnants of something like that to to still take place then. Well, and in the Thrawn book, Thrawn does tell Palpatine that there are
2: threats to his empire that Palpatine doesn't know about yet Mm -hmm. that are in the Unknown Regions. So this could be one of them. They could easily pull that back
1: in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering. I mean, because we know, because we know that the the chiss in in canon today, right, is still part of the current Star Wars galaxy. It's not part of the space whales galaxy, right? Correct. Yeah, they're just on the outskirts yeah. of it. Right. The in in the unknown
2: regions, which takes up a, a significant portion of the galaxy. Yeah. Only
1: about half the galaxy is actually explored in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. And again, the main galaxy without going to another right. galaxy. Right. So, because that would have been the thing, right? Like they could know, they can know because they could travel in theory to those galaxies since they're a little bit closer than even with them going to Coruscant or something, right? Because it's going, they're caught in the middle, right? They're on the border of one galaxy to the other, right? In in essence, but, but yeah. So, you know, overall, um, you know, this was a major, and again, it was a phenomenally written book, right? Like I said, this is one that um besides the timothy zahn um <clears throat> novels for for thron and some of his other um well-known um, star wars legends books at this point um this is probably one of the top five books that people would um come out and say that oh yeah truce of bakura right like i remember that or yeah i know exactly you know all the, the events and this is one of the major ones again it was just you know Something where you know a giant threat after the empire and what can be it, right? Oh, it's some unknown, you know, unknown to us that's posing a great threat. Because they were, they were,
0: Psyric- were reptilian. They were yeah, I would say reptil- they were reptilian, but they, but they had
1: money. psychonetic powers.
0: They were big on uh, uh, mind control enslaving people with, um, like, not nanobots, but something similar to nanobots. And one of the big things they wanted to do was put the the, uh, technology, their slave technology, into Luke himself because of his mastery of the Force, and then they could use him to mind control a bunch of other people, enhancing their slave cool, because they viewed all the non-reptilian races as, you know, inferior to them. So they were like, well, we should be in charge, you know, and that's that's how they conquered other star systems and so forth. Um, and uh, Truce of is also famous because it was the first time, I'm pretty sure the first time, if not one of the first times, that the Force ghost of Anakin Skywalker appeared to Luke or Leia after Darth Vader's death. And in this case, Anakin's ghost appears to Leia and asks her to forgive him for all the horrible stuff that he did as Darth Vader, and so Leia has to wrestle with, gosh, you know, what am I do? What am I gonna do? Because you know, this is four years after the Battle of Endor. She's only just now coming to grips with the fact that Darth Vader was her real father.
1: Yep. All right. Number nine was the rebellion becomes the Alliance of Free Planets um so basically it's you know rather than becoming the new republic they become the alliance of free planets which is essentially what the federation is to some degree um mm-hmm. so uh taking on that um it basically said the um the alliance member worlds collaborated to restore democracy while avoiding the pitfalls of the galactic republic but we all know how that goes right so um, because, unfortunately, you can't even do it in, in a, a planet, yet alone a galaxy of planets. <laughs>
3: so, yeah. uh, and
0: so this, this, of course, is from the um, Marvel Comics series that yes. was still going on. Uh, after Return of the Jedi, and it was the same Marvel Comics series that had started in technically 1976. A lot of people don't realize this, but first issue of Star Wars Marvel Comics was before the movie came out, which is why wacky things happen, like 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 Luke's lightsaber is or Obi Wan's lightsaber is red, and so on and so <laughs> forth. Um, and then later Luke has the yellow lightsaber, and you're like, why? Why is his sword yellow? And Kenner doesn't help because they made the action figure with a yellow. Lightsaber, because you know. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is in I don't know what issue of the comic it's in, um, but it's uh it's very near the end of the initial Marvel comics run, uh, and the whole Alliance of Free Planets only happens for just a little while. Uh, on it, it, the first meeting of which is actually uh on the forest moon of Endor, um, and while they're there, um, they kind of. It's almost like um, in American history with the uh, uh, League of... Articles uh, of Confederation? (laughs) Thank you, Nathan. (laughs) Articles of Confederation, um, which eventually got replaced by the United States Constitution. Um, So, yes, the League of... That's League. The Alliance of Free Planets gets replaced by the New Republic uh,
1: shortly. So, Nathan, did you know that the... uh one of the things that they became instead of the new Republic or the grand Republic was the Alliance of free planets. Uh, I feel like I've heard
2: the name Alliance of free planets before, and I am aware of the fact that there are Marvel comics, but uh, overall I'm, I'm going to go with no, I was not aware of this one because I, yeah. it, it would not, is more of a, hmm, that sounds vaguely familiar, not a, Oh yeah, I recognize that.
1: Okay. So, Scott, did you, did you, were you totally into the comics and buying as much as you could or reading stuff or not really much?
0: I, I had moved on at this point in time, comic book wise, I had moved on to where the only two comics I was buying uh, from Marvel uh, were Transformers and G.I. Joe. Um, So when Marvel, when Marvel Star Wars finished with their adaptation of Return of the Jedi, I, I stopped, like, reading it. Um, I stopped looking at it. And there was a little while when I was around eight years old until I was about 12 years old, so about four years there, where I kind of wanted to do anything but Star Wars because I had done that as a kid. And you know when you're a kid and you want to start proving to people that you're growing up now, you put you stop playing with stuff you played with as a child? Well, for a little while there, especially Ewok era, I was not into Star Wars, and I wanted to do more serious stuff like um, G.I. Joe.
1: Until they much, came out much, with Cobra work. Commander becomes a snake and...
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, then 1986 happened and Cobra Law and whatnot. And I was like, oh man, now what am I going to do? And that's when I took a big foray into DC. And was big into Justice League and stuff. So Justice League um, because, and serious uh, Batman. Yeah, exactly. And then Batman became like really dark. I only wear black and really, really dark gray. Right. And so, I
1: talk um, like this even though I'm a comic and you can't hear me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right about, Round about 1989, Michael Keaton, Batman. I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool and edgy and whatnot. And then when I got to high school, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to like what I like. And I got way back into Star Wars and Star Trek. So there you have it.
1: There you go. All right. So, so basically you're saying you don't have any of these comics lying around. So,
0: do not have any of the comics involving the Alliance of Free Planets, um, but I did buy the reissue a few years ago. Gosh, actually, I think it's 2015. Um, I think it was 2016. I bought the reissue, uh, which has the Legends banner, actually, speaking of Star Wars legend, of the reprint of the final issue of the original Marvel Comics run, um, which w- went way on into the future from Return of the Jedi and lasted much, much longer than I thought it would. And um, was not a bad comic, even just to read the final one as a reprint.
1: There you go. All right, number eight: the Galactic Empire fractions into warlord fractions, which, to some degree, that's what we have currently, kind of going on. Mm-hmm. To you know, in with the whole, you know, Moff Gideon and Admiral Thrawn, and what the little pockets of each, you know, kind of remnant empire, whatever you want to say, Admiral or or Moff or whatever they're doing. Um, you know, with uh, current factions and who's controlling what, to even some degree of what the uh, uh, Trade Federation and Separatists and all that, what they were doing, right? Kind of echoing the similarities there where one controlled the bank and one controls the weapons and one controls the, you know, uh, military ships and, you know, one controls the ground assaults and all that stuff. So, but uh, yeah, so so Nathan, did you know much about uh this here where they have uh you know multiple factions split up for the imperials uh kind of where they typically fight amongst each other as much as they fight the rebel Alliance. it seems like
2: yes i'm gonna go with yes on this one i did know that the empire split into multiple factions uh part of that was it covered in the Thrawn trilogy uh because there were several factions of imperials and Thrawn kind of pulled some of them together and um Kind of prude, unite
1: the clans
2: united. also uh the former rebels you know leia talked about how you know the the empire is all fractured and you know we don't really have to be all that concerned about them because none of them are working together and, and then all of a sudden thrawn starts winning these military victories and that comes as a surprise because the empire is so fractured also uh there is a name here that i particularly recognize ysan Isard. Uh, that comes from the Mara Jade books, which were also written by Thrawn. Um, by you know, Thrawn. Zahn. Zahn. Zahn, Thrawn, same guy.
0: Um, I mean, honestly, Tim's last name does make him sound like he's a Star Wars alien. Let's be, let's be
2: real. It does. Um, that, that yeah, I'm starting to remember more books that that library had. Because they, <laughs> they also had the Mara Jade books. Uh and question I, is, do they still I have the I, books
1: I, you know i don't know
0: i should hope so right i mean unless they just sort of gave out and you know i mean that'd be 30 they, years they...
1: later at some point they either have to expand or the old books get replaced with new books and i'm assuming they're not getting new versions of these books
2: i checked them out Although of the library so many the... times it may have disintegrated
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's dog-eared all those copies. You mean, um, you no, mean um, they
1: just didn't give it to you for free, like in you know Beauty and the Beast when they Belle just reads it so many oh, times, it gives them the free. <laughs> surprisingly, they did not. Uh, uh, but yeah, my my <laughs> my
2: standard uh, checkouts were always the Star Wars books and the Star Trek movies. Uh, oh, cool. like, The classic like Star now, Trek all movies. With, all the classic Star Trek were movies. You-
0: yeah. Were you renting them on DVD or VHS? VHS.
1: B- B- VHS in the uh-huh. 90s. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Well, you know, of the it first places I saw su- a DVD? Super confusing because a- I had, a- had not seen the original series. Oh, I was the same way, Nathan. I, I love the classic movies probably more than I love most anything else, but I really don't care for the classic as a series. I'm more of a TNG in Deep Space Nine. Well, now
2: I love the original series of Star oh, Trek. okay. There you go. I had no clue uh, who these people were except through the movies. Then when I went wow. back and watched the original series, I'm like, so... Where are half of the characters I'm familiar with from the movies because like Chekhov's not in this one. <laughs> Sulu's not in this one.
1: There you go. no the yeah, some of these definitely are a little bit I was same thing Asan Asard, um very well known for for being cross multi book platform so.
3: Yeah,
0: my my most uh, impactful memories of these individual Imperial warlords and factions were from video games at the time, and uh, you can see in this article here the third photo is of uh, two screenshots from various nineteen nineties really badly polygoned video game characters of uh, various Imperial warlords. So yeah, I knew about it from a lot of video game stuff like Dark Forces and and uh, Jedi Knight and and that kind of thing.
1: Yep. Well, going back to comics, number seven was Palpatine's Sith successor revives the Sith order and defeats Luke Skywalker. Um, This one, I'm not too much because I'll be honest. I mean, I love comics, but I mean, this was, you know, probably still early 90s. I think it doesn't say when this one came out, Um, but the way the art art, artistry is done, it would have been something I wasn't too keen on. Um, I was more Marvel comics, the actual MCU um, or I shouldn't say MCU, just Marvel characters, comics <laughs> of <Marvel> Avengers, comics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh, Avengers, Iron Man, um, those types of things. Uh, Captain America back then. So,
0: like we comic book nerds at the time, especially heading into the 90s, we we started to, to separate ourselves into sci-fi, uh, mystery, dark comics, or supers, or some people just said capes and like I don't read supers or I don't read capes became like a oh, thing. I love I'm sci-fi a I love the collector.
1: the Predator and yeah. Alien series from Dark Horse because it was so graphic
0: Yeah yeah um I am familiar with this character uh, uh Lumia um and I do recall, I want to say a cover or two that had her on it of a Star Wars comic, because, you know, I was reaching the age where if you put a girl on the cover, I was probably going to look at it more than once. (laughs) Um, And so interestingly, um, this was during the time frame in the late 80s or mid 80s, where if you had some sort of half robot or cybernetic or cyborg character, it was always a much cooler moment or a cooler thing to insert into your comic Uh, cross-reference here over in DC in the teen Titans with the guy called cyborg. Uh, He was a big, big deal because, Oh my gosh, that guy's half robot. Right. And it's weird because we didn't always think about Darth Vader as being half robot back in those days, because unless you read a lot of novels or comics um, in the movies, they made a big deal out of him having the robot hand. Um, And of course, In Return of the Jedi, we saw him take the helmet off and he had all the stuff implanted in him. But most of the time, people didn't think about Darth Vader being a cyborg. They just thought of him as a guy who wore a suit of armor, right? Um, And so I don't know why, but when you had this girl, Lumia, and of course, um, Valance, the cyborg bounty hunter in Star Wars Marvel Comics in the 70s and 80s, It was a really big deal to reveal that, oh, my gosh, that part of him is robotic, Uh, especially for Valance, because um, I think I'm saying his name right. Anyway, he had a big time hatred of droids. He was like almost droid racist, as it were, which, of course, was a huge reveal that, oh, my gosh, but he's part droid himself. He's cyborg. So he's got the self-loathing thing going on. So he was like a a really intimidating bounty hunter. And this uh, this Sith Queen uh, Lumia was of a similar bent about, you know, very intimidating and, and determined to defeat Luke Skywalker and take revenge of the Sith.
2: <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, that yeah, said, yeah. I'm not familiar with this character at all. I'm familiar with the three-eyed clone of Palpatine, but not this mm-hmm. character.
1: She looks like a ninja from G.I. Joe. Yeah, I can see that. So, but She should be battling Snake Eyes, not Luke.
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) all right number six so we're just about halfway here the alliance heroes go to war with extra galactic invaders again still at the comic book series here um there's the nagai and the top species who come from the neighboring galaxy known as fire fist invaded the main star wars galaxy with the nagai initially siding with lumia sith an imperial faction before siding with the alliance The Toph were ultimately defeated and Lumia was presumed dead, though the Sith lady, in truth, went into hiding, refining her power in the dark side and plotting her revenge. So, again, it sounds more like just linking together on everything.
2: Shenanigans.
1: They didn't actually have ten things. They split this
2: one into two. (laughs)
0: <laughs> True. So, um, this was well beyond the time that I was reading Star Wars comics. Um, like I said, the the storyline continued after Return of the Jedi uh, adaptation, and as you can tell from the artwork here, gentlemen, went to some weird places. Um, some of these starships from the Toph and the uh, the other the Nagai, um, look like they were designed by Doctor Seuss. I mean, it's uh, it's just <laughs> wacky. They're, be, they're
1: being wacky. it's like literally a giant oh, engine with the the pistons coming out of it, like it's uh-huh. gonna suction tube you it, up, and then you go into a gerbil yeah. playpen. So and
0: it was. It was very much a case of we don't have anything official from George Lucas as to what happens in the galaxy afterwards, but we also have been told that there might be more Star Wars movies someday. So the writers at Marvel, obvious, very clearly, even to me as a child, were doing this thing where they were telling stories happening over here, not part of the main Star Wars galaxy.
1: Um, even though Luke was in a, everything.
0: Yes, of course. And, and Han and Chewbacca. <laughs>
1: and Leia. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, they're And Princess all.
0: Leia. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, actually, Lando had big roles in the comic. Uh, Lando did a whole lot of stuff because he was such a roguish, you know, basically space pirate already. Uh, They had.
1: Well, you get to draw Billy D. Williams. Why wouldn't you want to? Uh, Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, But yeah, I did not read this comic, and I probably couldn't have told you the names of the Nagai and the Toph if you offered me a million dollars. Until we. But
1: now now you do know it, so. But now I do
0: know. So anybody. Ken Jennings comes back
1: to you. So. Yeah,
2: no, if you tell me toff, I'm still not thinking of this I'm thinking of Avatar The Last Airbender
1: Oh, I For was sure. going to say I was thinking of Toffee So Alright, All right, well, so let's go to number 5 So, the Alliance of Free Planets So we're reusing something Nathan So they yep. couldn't even come up with 9 <laughs> They're at less than 8 now The Alliance of Free Planets evolves <laughs> into the New Republic so. hmm. Oh yeah, following the
2: nagai Toff war <laughs> Oh, yeah <laughs> Talk about padding the count here. Uh, The Alliance of Free Planets finalized his transition into the New Republic, achieving the ultimate goal of the Rebel Alliance by restoring the Republic's democracy. While not directly depicted in a Legends-era Star Wars story. Well, then why do you have it on this list? (laughs) Uh, The the Declaration of the New Republic, nevertheless, is one of the most important galactic events following Return of the Jedi. As shown throughout the Legends timeline, however, the New Republic would continue to wage war with the various successors to the Galactic Empire for 15 years after the Battle of Endor. This one literally says that it it wasn't shown. This is just something we're assuming happened because later we called it the New Republic.
0: Now, they do reference in some of the later uh, books about the year in which the New Republic was founded. And so uh, the author here probably worked backwards to whatever the star date, if you'll pardon the Star Trek term, was for that Nagai Top War and realizing, oh, I guess after that war, they realized, hey, maybe we ought to make this a uh, more permanent thing. And so, yeah, Yeah. I enjoyed the one tidbit in in this paragraph, though, where they talk about how they would fight the leftovers, basically, of the Galactic Empire for 15 years after the Battle of Endor. God, could you imagine if people were still fighting, mopping up from World War II uh, in 1960? Ah, it would have been a nightmare. I course, mean, you know, the, you the, the scale make, here is so much bigger.
2: You can make the argument that the entirety of the Cold War is mopping up after World War II.
0: Well, okay, maybe, but I guess war. more what I had in mind was, were they still fighting Nazis, mopping up Nazi pockets here yeah, and there? Because, yeah. um, right. yes, it is definitely an offshoot of World War II with, uh, you know, um, uh, Stalin and the, the Soviet Empire. Um, but... Uh, but I feel like that almost was going to happen no matter what. That I feel like we were put on that course of conflict when the Bolshevik Revolution occurred in Russia. Uh, but that's a whole different podcast. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the, the actual figure here of 15 years. And so, of course, now... Current 21st century Star Wars fans are watching this 15 year battle with the remnants of the Empire play out in a different way, but over all the streaming series, you know, with the Mandoverse, because that's basically the same time frame.
1: Yes. So. All right. Now, let's do number four. Now, this one I'm banking possibly, um, but we'll see. If Nathan knows it or not, so Luke Skywalker well, meets Palp's son I'm and al- grandson. I've
2: already told you. <laughs> I've already told you
1: in, in this podcast a, a few entries ago. I know. <laughs> so, so officially, I'm out of the running because he's hit three. So,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But uh, yes, no, this one uh, is the, the sixth book Jedi Prince Junior Novel Series by Paul and Hollis Davids continues the fledging New Republic's conflict with the Empire's warlord factions. So at least it's not rehashed stuff at this point.
2: That is true. At, at least that is true.
1: So, um, but it introduces descendants of the Emperor. Um, the human Umbarian hybrid known as Triclops is the Emperor's son. Uh, though his weak connection to the Force and unsuccessful dark side training led Palp to condemn him to enslavement in the spice mines of Kessel. On Kessel, Triclops would fall in love with the former Jedi Kandalian and have a son, Ken, um, not to be f- confused with Barbie and Ken, who had a strong connection to the Force like his mother and grandfather, though he would go on to join the New Republic.
0: So you can easily see that several of these ideas were recycled in uh, post uh, in, in the sequel trilogy era, uh, because we have basically Palpatine's son, who doesn't have a very good connection to the Force, and so his dad is all like, "Get dead to me," and so just sends him out there, you know. Um, although I don't think that Palpatine's son in the official sequel trilogy timeline gets banished to the spice mines of Kessel. But like well, we
1: Triclops, don't we like,
0: don't like, know uh, that he like wasn't. Triclops does. But but yeah, we, we
1: don't know, know, he, know
2: he was. <laughs> we don't know that he was, but we don't know that he wasn't, <laughs> and, and we don't know that his wife was a former Jedi, but she could have been.
1: Well,
2: she could well have. didn't they have the dagger?
0: Yeah, the, the Sith dagger.
2: Yeah. So well, no, Ochi had the Sith dagger.
0: But now, didn't Ochi take it from them?
2: Right. Or Ochi, Ochi, Ochi. I thought that he was given the dagger so that he could find his way
1: back to uh, the reborn emperor. I mean, to- I've only seen rise of Skywalker twice. so You guys got to help me here. We'll- <laughs>
0: I, my, my understanding was that during a flashback during that film,
1: <laughs> I'm my, having a flashback of a flashback of a flashback.
2: <laughs> my understanding was that Ochi was given the dagger so that he could find the wayfinder so that he could find his way to the uh, to Palpatine uh, to receive payment once he had completed his mission.
0: Okay. I thought that he took the dagger from Ray's parents so that they couldn't find the Wayfinder to get to Exegol. But you're you're probably right though, Nathan.
2: You know what? Maybe I'll just have to watch that movie again because I have yeah. also only seen it twice. And it is the movie, the Star Wars movie I have seen the least out of the live-action movies.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's your homework for before our next episode.
2: Unless you count the holiday special, but it's not completely live-action.
0: Plus, it's not really a movie. It's a that's it, true. It's an extended television episode. It's a special. Anywho,
2: no, um, no.
0: Uh, getting back to the topic at hand, uh, Jedi Prince. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't read these because I considered myself at that time no longer in junior novel territory. Um, but I was familiar with the term triclops. However, it was a derogatory term most of the time in my uh, EU days, where people referred to stories like this as reasons why it's great that the expanded universe got erased because some of it was real drick. Yep. <laughs> um, what do you? What do you? What do you guys recall about this?
2: So uh, I actually didn't read. Uh, Jedi Prince, the junior novel series, I know this guy from something else, the essential guide to characters uh, in Star Wars, which uh, told me a lot about a lot of characters that I didn't know anything about. Um, so I had, I had two of these books. One was the essential guide to characters and one was the essential guide to ships And uh, he was obviously not a ship, so he was in The the Essential Guide to Characters One, He would
1: have been a Transformer then.
2: (laughs) And uh, I I read the entry on him and thought, this sounds really, really bad. So I never went and read those novels. And I think I'm glad. (laughs) But but I am familiar with the character.
0: I never read them for the reason that I said, and then also, of course, uh, plenty of my contemporaries were like, "Oh God, don't! It's horrible!"
1: You know. All right. Well, we'll skip it since it's horrible. So, three, and <laughs> yeah, this nobody, one, this was, was the this was the
0: work of reading this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this oh, was. Oh no! This so was... you you knew I knew this one too. Yeah. This was this was the t- one of the two things I assumed you knew. True cure. and I definitely knew you would know this one, just because it is also officially a decipher swg ccg card
2: one so. of my favorite cards because i love the card hidden weapons and he specifically has the line may use hidden
1: weapons there you go so this one is boba fett escapes the Scarlak twice and hunts down his impersonator and his impersonator is johto cast and here's a little bit of tidbit i just learned this past week because somebody was posting in the uh, Star Wars CCG Facebook group, um, they were trying to see about getting the full picture of Jodo cast because they wanted to cosplay. And um, apparently, the only full-fledged photo they actually have of Jodo cast is the one in the comic here. And if you look at this comic of Jodo Cast, um, this color pattern is basically almost the same exact as Boba Fett, but just slightly more uglier colors, um, right. versus the one that you get in the actual card game. And for most of us that know well, for the um, uh, premium uh, Reflections Two premium cards that they introduced from the Legend stuff that they did, typically they got live actors to recreate these photos. But this one specifically, they didn't. It's actually just legitimately Boba Fett, and they just recolored it to for that uh, Star Wars CCG card. So there's your little bit of hidden trivia. So anyways, uh, this would be the iconic Mandalorian Bonnie Hunter Boba Fett, when we all knew he was really badass before Book of Boba Fett. Um, and he escapes <laughs> the Sarlacc <Sherlock laughs> Pit twice. Um, the first instance was short-lived as no shown in the Marvel Star Wars comics. But after a second and successful escape, Fett would learn that another bounty hunter, Johto Cast or um, Timothy Ollivant's um, Cobb Vanth, um, was impersonating him. <laughs> despite lacking Fett's skills and not being a true Mandalorian like Fett, as shown in Andy Mangels and John Nadeau's comic, Boba Fett, Twin Engines of Destruction. Boba Fett methodically hunted down, humiliated, and executed Cass. Though he would not reveal a second escape from the Sarlacc to Han Solo until ten years after the Battle of Yavin. We
0: have to call it Twin Engines of Destruction because this is the '90s and everything's extreme. Um, But yeah, uh, it it was a great comic. Uh, I read this multiple times back in the day. Uh, Do you still own it? Dark Horse. I don't have it anymore. No, Mm -hmm. I wish I did. Um, This is when Dark Horse had taken over the license for Star Wars comic books. And again, it's the 90s. So everything became dark and edgy and extreme and over the top. And yeah, there's some pretty violent stuff. We put the war in Star Wars, baby.
1: All right. Well, I'm happy to say so far, Nathan's hit four. So if he knows any of these last two things... When we get to one and two, then you lose as well, Scott. So, anyways, um... Nathan,
0: feign ignorance, stricken
1: dumb, go. <laughs> so, but Nathan, uh... what, what do you know from Jodo Cast though, or anything from this, or just Jodo Cast from the Star Wars card game?
2: Uh, I mainly know him from the Star Wars card game because, like okay. I said, he can use the card Hidden Weapons, which is a picture okay. of Boba Fett uh, using the uh, the. Grapple line that he ties up awkward. Luke with, which makes no physics sense how that thing knows how to go around Luke like that. But you know what? It's Star Wars. We can have the force or we can have physics. <laughs> we choose it's just the force. a
1: little dodgy ball. Yeah. That's sure. what we used to do it's, it's, at school when you're going around the it's pole. A <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah tetherball
1: tether he, tether he, he
2: fires the thing straight at Luke, and then it curves around him. But you know, th- there could be a little droid on the end of it that's it's flying a uh, whispering.
1: whispering well, um the
0: magnetic field of the whistling birds is a inverted, inverted bird. so that the polarity yeah. shift makes it attracted to the cord and then repelled from the cord then attracted to the cord then repelled from the cord it's so anyways
2: cord. what i was saying is that <laughs> card would allow you to capture uh your opponent's personnel characters sorry wrong game still decipher uh capture your opponent's characters before battle destiny was drawn which meant they didn't apply their force ability to drawing battle destiny uh so sometimes i would win battles really big because oh you've got luke skywalker and jar jar binks just kidding you only have jar jar binks because i
1: (laughs) captured luke skywalker but let's be honest we know jar jar binks would still win the entire thing uh, no, but th- but then if he I didn't
0: win though. Jar Jar would survive. <laughs> oh.
2: Well, see, I tended to play my own decks against each other, so um, usually Jar Jar got fed to the Rancor. Oh, because I could set that
1: up and <laughs> make sure it happened. You, you played <laughs> but, the Shut Up Wesley, but Shut Up Jar Jar card but, on him, now.
2: but but then Anakin would win the pod race and the light side would still win the that
1: yeah, because pod day. racing was broken
0: <laughs> only was, a little, especially if you had Anakin's pod racer. Yeah. So. Anyway, again, not this podcast. So yeah, great comic. Um, anybody out there who wants some homework, I believe you can get Boba Fett Twin Engines of Destruction in a Star Wars comic app somewhere. I think um, probably off the Marvel the physical
1: version. You can probably get the Marvel. Well, I believe. App.
0: I, I think that Marvel like can didn't they get the rights to digitally do all the Dark Horse stuff too,
1: right? That's what I'm saying. I thought Marvel could Marvel app could have all of it
0: yeah i think so uh, as derek was implying finding this as a physical comic is not quite as easy these days eBay. i should look this up while you
1: go on to number two okay number two goes for luke skywalker resigns from the new republic military luke skywalker and the shadows of mindor did you ever read that novel Nope. okay I, well it was a I novel by read. matthew stover Yeah, I have not read this novel either.
3: Mm.
1: Not familiar with this one at all. Yeah, this one is Luke Skywalker clashed with the prophet of the dark side known as Cronel or Black Hole. I don't know where you get Black Hole from Cronel, but okay. Who was once the director of Imperial Intelligence. While formidable, Cronel's forces were defeated by the combined might of the New Republic and their Mandalorian allies. Um, Oh, hey. Check that out. Though the battle was extremely costly. Luke Skywalker was sickened by the cost of life and subsequently resigned from the new Republic military to focus on Jedi knighthood, though he would continue to serve the new Republic informally and was allowed to keep his X-wing AA five, eight, nine. So, all right. So nothing on that one. Um, will skip to the last one. And this one, I wasn't sure if Nathan would know or not. Um, but obviously this is the one that can break or make Scott. And I'm betting at this point, Nathan probably knows this story. Because it is a video game. So, Kyle Katarn defeats Jarek in the Valley of the Jedi from Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. So, Nathan, you played Star Wars Dark, uh, Jedi or Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2?
2: I did not. Ah, but did that you was, know this? That was not a Nintendo game. It was a and,
1: PC.
2: And to... Uh, PC, yep. Yeah, well, I didn't really play no, a lot. The only, the only PC Star Wars game I really played was Star Wars Galaxies. Um, which wouldn't be on this list because it took place during the Galactic Civil War, uh, not after the battle of Endor. Um, so I'm uh, to help Scott out. I'm going to say, no, I knew nothing of this game. I have heard of it, but know nothing beyond that. I clearly don't know who Kyle Gatarn is, and I've never seen him in any of the fantasy flight game, LCG cards or, yeah. Or the uh, X-Wing game that uh, Fantasy Flight Games did that now Atomic Mass Games has. Um, yeah. yeah. But you, you know what? You know what I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know who Jarek is. Well, no, he was in the LCG too. But you would know who Darth yeah. Bane is. Uh, that That is true. I would know who Darth Bane is. So uh,
1: halfway sort of? Well, what's weird is that... I mean, a majority of this, uh, a millennium of, a millennium before the Star Wars Skywalker saga. But apparently this is supposed to take place a year after Return of the Jedi. When, yeah. Uh,
0: but see, he, he's setting up the the, the reason that Jarek wanted to
1: go to
0: the valley of I the know. Jedi.
1: But it's yeah. just funny because it's mostly a flashback, right? So, but anyways.
0: It, it, it is, but. But but when 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 Kyle get by the time Kyle Katarn and Jarek get there, it is post Return of the Jedi. Um, right. And so Jarek has this whole idea about I'm going to become the most powerful Sith user ever. Uh, personally, having played the game and defeated Jarek, of course, um, I never thought that it would have worked. I mean, I would have been like if I were Kyle Katarn and the crew i would have been all, oh, uh, let's just wait and see what happens. Because I think Jarek's plan was absolute nonsense and it was never going to work. But anyway. He was supposedly going to absorb all these ghosts of dead Jedi and Sith and become, you know, the best best Dark Side Force user. Which is what they stole for Um,
1: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah,
0: I mean, kind of. Except that in that one, he wasn't trying to absorb um, the.
3: Oh, but Ray does. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the
2: idea that you have a bunch of Sith ghosts and a bunch of Jedi ghosts, and that they can manifest in one person so that they are all the Jedi or all the Sith.
1: Mm.
0: Yes. I see what you guys are saying, that they carried over that idea of absorbing. Uh, but much like um, the Jedi leave Ray and Palpatine can't handle all the, you know, blowback, I think that would have happened to Jarek as well. Like his probably, body would have probably. just exploded.
2: But I mean, isn't that the way with the dark side? They end up defeating mm. themselves uh, through yeah. You know, through their own arrogance
1: well and plus uh, they borrow, set up their uh, own rule of two so that was that you could only absorb two bodies he was going to absorb more than that like you said he blows up yeah because he got uh, greedy to
0: borrow, a, to borrow an idea from Legend of the Five Rings you know, no small amount of samurai influence in Star Wars anyway evil feeds upon itself
1: mm-hmm
2: yeah, so I just looked up Jarek in uh, Fantasy Flight Games' LCG, and I definitely played with this. It was a weird game. You had to play with sets of cards within your deck. I definitely played with the Scouring the Empire set that had Jarek in it because it was the one that gave you two resources on your objective instead of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This game has so, some good ideas.
2: I, it just wasn't it, it executed did. all that well, and it
1: so, definitely didn't feel like Star Wars. Anyway, at times, yeah, at times right. well, it did. Scott I'm got sure. it. Scott got exactly four. That's what Nathan yeah. said he did. So, I I know you guys just colluded beforehand. So. Only
2: a little, and it wasn't beforehand. It was during. I mean, we didn't collude. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. There's that messenger chat going on right there. I see now. <laughs>
1: Scott, I mean, four, Scott.
2: Four. You literally told me to feign ignorance on the last two, and I didn't have to do that on one of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyways but yeah, was a, i was, was disappointed idea, though Derek. i was disappointed in this whole thing he didn't mention anything about rogue squadron but was he rogue didn't. squadron set up in that year there, there's plenty of rogue squadron episodes that are literally six months after six, okay. return of the jedi yeah, yeah, and and they go out. for several years. I, mean, I was trying to figure out
2: when I, Jedi was too, because I, I definitely read that one Yeah, um, with uh, Corin Horn, who went by the name Genos Idian for a little while. That's uh, an undercover operative. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really read the, the actual Rogue Squadron books, but I read that one mm-hmm. uh, Kevin J. Anderson spinoff of the Rogue Squadron
1: book. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ha- hats off to, to Mr. Miller here for a, a pretty well-written article, but I think um, he he's a real bit of a stretch for his headline to fit, because some of these stories, while very impactful and a lot of fun, spanned way on past the year after Return of the Jedi. I mean, several of them were very much in that one specific year within universe, but like the Dark Forces 2 thing, uh, and of course the... The war with the uh, the um, Toff Alliance that was that lasted quite a bit of time. So anyway, um, but you know these listicle articles like this they kind of have to bend over backwards and do some mental gymnastics in order <laughs> to hit the uh, the search engine optimization target phrase that they're aiming for. So there you go.
1: Anyways, it's still fun to talk a little bit about legends though because you know. For us, it's still partially um, our childhood and and what we grew up knowing Star Wars, even though it's not officially canon. Though, again, they're pulling more and more from this. So maybe in another 20 years, if again, they're pulling ideas because we just talked about, you know, the rise of Skywalker and the whole point of, you know, absorbing other. Uh, jedi or sith to to master power right so not that that concept isn't even with other stuff anyways i mean plenty of things of you know that's the whole point of big truck or uh, big trouble in little china um and absorbing demons and stuff like that so it's not like the first time anyone's ever thought of that so
2: but but this list also demonstrates why it's good that they didn't just take the uh, expanded universe wholesale because there's no way Luca did all of that in one year after the Battle of Endor. Like clearly, a bunch of people were writing their own stories. They all had ideas of what they wanted to have happen right after the Battle of Endor, and there's no way that they all happened.
1: Yes, but, but no, we don't know that it didn't happen. But but we do know that it can't all happen. I don't know. We we have the world between worlds. We still don't know what that means.
0: Now, you guys are, you guys are missing the obvious answer as to how Luke Skywalker did all these things.
2: These all lose
0: Skywalker. Now
2: see, I was gonna say time dilation through hyperspace travel, but okay, yeah, that too. Luke one, Luke two, Luke three, Luke four. <laughs> You just keep adding use.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't add
0: multiple Ks because that would end badly. Well, anyway, but, but hey, something that won't end badly is this episode of the podcast, but it's not going to end just yet because we got to do Derek's favorite part of the show. And that is, of course, what Star Wars t shirt are we wearing this episode? Derek, what are you wearing?
1: Well, to go back to the beginning of our episode for the late passing of Carl Weathers, I wore a baby Yoda Grogu shirt where he's drinking Aww, the tea Grogu. or soup. So Aww, obviously, cute. you know, one of the first times that we obviously got to see, um, well, truly actually his true introduction to Cara Dune at the time. So we already had a couple of episodes of um, Grief, Karga, and Navara, Um, And then we get that later. But my main thing is, um, you know, we are still doing um, the Star Wars RPG here pretty soon, um, announcing to the listeners that uh, the three of us are thinking, still thinking, we're not 100% in stone, but at this point, I've committed to buying it.
3: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: <laughs> but we're thinking about doing the uh, Star Wars role-playing game from Fantasy Flight Games Mechanics. Um, and actually start putting episodes out there we'll actually try to see if we could do some campaigning um, between the three of us and and probably adding a fourth and fifth um, just to have four players and a dungeon master game master Um, but anyways i found some more books um, today at some of my local gaming stores because it's so hard to find this this one is not what we're doing but it was the core rule book and it's like 130 bucks you know, if you try buying it online anywhere. So at MSRP at 60 bucks, I was like, I'm getting it just in case if I decide to, you know, expand with it. But I did also then find at another one, two more of the source books materials for the Age Age of of Rebellion version, which is the first one. uh, They're both adventure books, but the first one is the uh, Friends Like These um, that we have for that one. And then the other one was the Onslaught at Arda the f- I or Arta 1 I'm guessing so
0: Arta 1 um, yeah
1: Arta 1 yeah yeah
0: so. cool yeah I'm looking forward to doing uh RPG I don't I've never done RPG over um like StreamYard or Zoom I've just done it on Discord as voice chat so um I think we should we should probably investigate whether the Foundry Virtual Tabletop has a module for uh, the Star Wars games from Fantasy Flight because I hear that's a pretty good way to do a virtual tabletop. Cool. Um, and Nathan and I, with our regular RPG group, uh, have been investigating it to do... Um, we were investigating it to do Pathfinder 2nd Edition Remaster, which we probably still will do someday, but last week, uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that the Dungeons & Dragons official virtual tabletop would now be handled by the Foundry. Um, so... We're definitely going to get that module to plug into the Foundry because um, it appears that D&D has stopped working on their own map system for virtual tabletops. Uh, I say appears. I'm not sure that's happened, but it. With they announce him of a third party doing virtual tabletop, I mean, at this point, they would be competing with themselves. And I don't think even Hasbro is that crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyways but yes excellent shirt Uh Nathan what shirt do you have on
2: I am wearing a walking carpet shirt my nice <laughs> Chewbacca with the uh, kind of neon uh, old school style here yeah big walking carpet
0: oh. An actual uh, panel from a Star Wars Marvel comic from the 80s. So that's why it has that neon flavor to it, because that's a drawing from one of those books. You can tell due to Chewie's slightly odd coloration of his fur. um, He had some weird shades of fur in those early issues. Again, the ones that were done before the movie came out. So we aren't really clear. Is he just like Sasquatch or what's the deal here? So that's how they illustrated him. Epic shirt, epic shirt. Uh, and I am also doing a tribute to Carl Weathers with Baby Yoda here, Grogu, on my shirt in a comic booky style, uh, very much looking like he's about to do the magic hand thing. So rest in peace, Carl Weathers. Um, and if you guys want to get your own cool, what a piece of junk Star Wars type related T-shirt or any other Fandom Podcast Network show, please check out the store over at tpublic.com. Just search up Fandom Podcast Network, and you'll find all kinds of cool merchandise to buy. I did look up Star Wars Engines uh, Twin Engines of Destruction. Um, this is just a random link that I found for a... Now, this is a graded copy, graded 9.8, so very much collector version of the comic. It's $145 over at hipcomic.com, so anybody who's dying to own a spectacular mint condition, near mint condition uh, issue of Star Wars Boba Fett Twin Engines of Destruction there's your hookup 145 bucks
1: um, yeah but anyway, then you can't uh, read it though
0: then you can't read it because you'd feel bad about taking it out of the case if you paid that much for it and it was graded so well
1: you so, could uh, you could yeah. get it uh, just off eBay open for 12 bucks
0: there you go. 12 bucks. That's a good price to pay for Johto cast. Come on.
1: Or you can get it for less. There's even $10, $10, some others. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously those are original copies too. So, I mean, that's, you know, almost a 30 year old comic at this point. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, All right,
0: well, uh, Nathan, let the fans know where they can find us out there on the interwebs, please, sir.
2: You can find us in lots of places out on the interwebs. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, YouTube. You know, I used to say YouTube was my favorite spot. Now I can listen to us on Spotify on the way to work. Uh, I don't know why I would since I was here for the recording, but I could. And so could you. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook, What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. You can email us, whatapieceofjunkpod at gmail.com. Uh, at email, we are what a pod at gmail.com. I'm sorry, I think I just said that twice. Anyways, Twitter, we're at what wars. Instagram, Fandom Podcast Network. Uh, pod, Apple Podcasts, if you would, please leave us a review. We would like whatever review you think we deserve, because if we need to do something better, well, we'd like to hear about that. Of course, we'd also like for five-star reviews. And Derek, why do we like those five-star reviews?
1: Well, we like five-star reviews because uh, we want to continue to put out content. Um, Again, we're doing this for fun. We're not looking to make money off of it. But we do want people to come out and listen to our show. And by giving us five stars, it helps us in the queue when people go to these podcast apps and search for Star Wars podcasts. Um, Obviously, the more better reviews we are and the more fresher reviews and episodes that we put out, with positive reviews on um, and likes and all that stuff that they do, for, and especially in our YouTube videos as well that you can find us, um, that you mentioned Nathan, then obviously the space junkies out there, um, we can get new space junkies. Um, and hopefully addicted to what a piece of junk, because that's what we're here for. We want to encourage people to join us in this again. You know, we get some, um, activity over in the Facebook group and that's a lot of fun. And again, we're doing this for you guys. And if there's, as Nathan mentioned, something we can do better or something you want to hear about again, we try to cover everything from current star Wars media releases, uh, for the shows and the movies. Hopefully someday we'll get a movie again. We'll, we'll find out eventually at some point, I'm guessing, Um, um, but if not, uh, we also do Legends, which we talked about today, right? So, um, you know, all the fun stuff out there and not just the media um, and, and novels and stuff, but also the card games and board games and all the fun stuff that we enjoy um, about Star Wars. So, yes, leave us five star reviews for that exact reason so that other people can find what a piece of junk
0: awesome thanks guys well it was great to have this episode uh once again rest in peace to Carl Weathers and we will be back soon for some reviews of the Bad Batch the final season but until then we want to remember to remember to always respect each other and always respect each other's fandoms alright Nathan punch it <sighs>